All right, let's turn to James in chapter 1 for the reading of uh, what we're going through this morning. James chapter 1, verse 19. My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. Father, as we open your word, we open our ears and our hearts to hear from you. Lord, I thank you that you can help to give me those words that are needed in this moment, but I thank you that you can go beyond that and speak beyond anything that I say. Break through. Break whatever is needed in us that we might be able to obey and follow your word in this today. That we would be changed and that it would change our families and it would change our our neighborhoods. It would change our country. Even in just living through one verse. Being obedient. Lord, thank you for what you have here for us. Move and work as only you can. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, before we know it, school is going to be back in session. That's right, school. You're going to start seeing signs and yellow and flashing and all kinds of things of what's happening. I know some of you are excited about it and some of you are not too excited about it. Uh, uh, You know, it used to be parents would be excited about it, but I don't know that we're sure right now with everything that's going on. In fact, next week, uh, I didn't announce this earlier, but next Sunday will be a back-to-school blessing. We want to do a back-to-school blessing for all those who are, students are going off to school from uh, the youngest to through college age and beyond. We just want to pray a blessing over you as you go in this time of, of kind of, it's confusion, it's a little different. But we also want to pray for those who are involved in, the, in, uh, in schooling in some way, whether it's homeschooling or in the public school or a Christian school, whatever it may be, we want to pray for you in this time. Not only would need that and that God's blessing would be upon in that, but especially in these times where things are different, we want to make sure we have that opportunity to pray for you. So next next Sunday we'll uh, do that together. But as we think about this, you know, you're seeing these signs, and the part of it is this is telling us to slow down, cautioning us, and. Uh, not everybody may like to slow down. You've been used to driving certain ways now, not only through the summer, but school was closed even before that. But they're going to see those signs, and, and we know that we need to be careful and full of care so that no one gets hurt because we need to slow down. In many ways, James chapter 1 that we're looking at here has really been about being in God's school zone. You think about it at the beginning of chapter 1 through the trials and troubles. And then we went in to talk about the temptations. But through the trials and the troubles and the temptations of life, if we're going to successfully pass through life without crashing, without hurting others, then we're going to need to slow down in certain areas of our life that God's Word specifically states here in James, especially James 1.19. In James verse 19, in fact, should be a verse that every one of us have not only heard, 
but it should be a verse that every one of us should have in our hearts and our minds. In fact, we're going to do a couple things to try to help that today. And that's going to begin by just asking you to repeat after me as we read this up on the screen. James 1.19. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. James 1.19. We're going to see here that we need to slow down. In order to do that, there are two areas, two thing, key things that we need to remember as we slow down. The very first one, slow down and listen. Verse 19 says, take note of this, my brothers and sisters. Pay attention, focus right here. Starting with be quick to listen. Quick to listen or swift to hear. The word here has to do with more than just physically hearing. When it says be quick to listen, it's not just about to physically hear something, but to listen, to understand what is being said. It means to be ready and willing and able with all eagerness, all the time, any time, to actually listen to what someone has to say. Not the attitude that sometimes we have is, oh, what do you want now? Oh, okay. Uh, you know, rather we say, I want to hear what you have to say. I'm listening. And our listening goes up, our talk goes down, and we slow down and listen. We actually hear it as they actually mean it, because often that's not always what happens. We don't always say what we mean, but you hear it, what they mean it. Without putting our own spin on it and our own mind-reading, prejudging as to what we think they really mean, filtering it through our own past problems and with people and others behind us, just slow down, focus on the person, listen. In fact, it could be said a different way, when we think about this being quick to listen, it could be we need to hurry up and hear. Be quick to listen, to hurry up and hear. How many have ever heard that before? Hey, you need to hurry up and hear. Yeah, you, hurry up and hear. But that's what it's saying. What it's telling us to do, the reality is many are actually thinking, hey, hurry up and talk already. Come on, get on with it. Right, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, you know, and oftentimes it's hurry up and talk so I can finally get to say what I want to say. That's really what it comes down to. L yet listening is important. We don't do it well, but listening is important to us, at least when we are the ones speaking. I mean, who has not heard? Look at me when I'm talking to you, right? Look at me when I'm talking to you. Translation, I want you to focus your attention on me. I want you to listen to what I'm telling you to, and you're going to get this. Of course, some respond by saying, I am listening. I can do two things at once. That may be true, but listening is not one of them. You need to slow down and to focus on listening, period. That's it. That's what it says. Just That's it. To take in, to grasp, to consider, to understand, not just with your head, but with your heart, even to heed what was said, especially as we're talking about the word and what we'll get into more next week. We need to be quick to listen and hear what is said. And in our listening, we're hearing what is not said. To actively listen, to ask questions, not questioning the person, but, but trying to clarify their position so that we can reflect back to them what we've heard and to the point that we can repeat back what they said 
and what they meant that we understood and as we say that back to them as we're able to really have listened in such a way they understand you have listened which opens their ears to be able to listen to us you hear people say nowadays though uh, you, you hear people will say, you know, I just don't get how they could ever support that. I, I do not know where they're, I, I just don't know where they're coming from. I mean, haven't we heard or thought those things? I just don't know where they're coming from. I, 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 I don't understand how they could possibly believe that. I don't know why somebody would ever think that. And instead of trying to find the answers to those questions, instead our next sentence deals with, I don't want to know why. I don't care. It's stupid. It's dumb. They're ridiculous. There's no point in trying to make sense of it all because I already know it all anyway. Oh, we don't say that last part, but we, we think it. I already know all the facts. There's no point in trying to make sense. But if we're slow to listen, maybe we would understand. Not that we would agree but that we would understand where they're coming from and have a better view, therefore, of how and a better position of how we can engage when the time comes for us to speak the truth in love. Because we have listened in love in a way that understands, not just their person, but under, understands their position, but understands them as a person of why they're saying this, where they're coming from. But that's not something that's happened in our society today. All too often we do not take responsibility that is actually ours to slow down and listen. Instead, we make communication to be just one way. Communication is one way responsibility, mainly on the sender. They need to speak it clearly, say what they mean, mean what they say, say something with meaning that I want to hear, you know, those kind of things. But communication is not a one-way street. There's responsibility on both sides of the road here. Even as you think about as it deals with the word of God. Shared whether in Bible studies or kingdom builders or in sermons. We tend to put most of the responsibility solely around the speaker. Who needs to be exciting and entertaining to catch my attention and keep my attention. While at the same time teaching me something deep that involves a lot of thought all done in 20 minutes or less. Uh, not to mention it needs to be said in the way I like it to be said and can be understood easily. And then I will listen. That's not what verse 19 says. There's no all that stuff. Everyone should be quick to listen, especially as it deals with the word of God. A quick response 18, verse 18 and verse 21 talk about this as, the, as it deals even with the word. We should pray not only that God would anoint the lips of the speaker, but we should be praying that God would anoint the lips or the ears of the hearer. God would anoint the ears of those who are listening. Just like 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 10 says, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. It's our responsibility. That is the command. It is interesting that sometimes we are much more quick to listen for what others need to hear. Are you with me? Oh man, I caught that. Did you catch that? 
You know, elbow, 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 elbow. Did you catch? Did you hear that? Did you? Did you? Huh? Huh? You know, well, we got that down hearing for somebody else. But what about listening for the Holy Spirit and what the word of God is speaking to us about? Like verse 21 Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you receiving, listening that God's word, taking heed of it, getting our life right with a meekness, a humbleness and a teachableness that listens. That welcomes the two edged sword that Hebrews talks about the word of God is the two edged sword to pierce through into our lives. I mean, how many of us really are looking forward to that? How many of us ask that? God, I pray that you take that sword and just pierce through. Are we asking that? That's what it does. That's what it's about. We need to slow down and listen. And perhaps for some that needs to start right now. Verse 19, he says to be quick to listen, but also you've got to be slow to speak. Two sides of the same coin, in a sense, putting on the brakes to listen helps us to slow down to speak. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 13 on the screen. He who answers before listening, that is his folly and his shame. To answer before even listening, to speak, to be quick to speak and slow to listen is not God's way. Having the wisdom, you know what, being slow to speak also is having the wisdom to not say anything. Like in social media, you can actually scroll right on by that thing and not have to make a comment instead of being quick to speak. Proverbs chapter 17, verse 28, even a fool is thought wise if you keep silent and discerning if he holds his tongue. Let's not fool ourselves into thinking that we, we've, got, we've got this. If I just keep my mouth shut therefore i'm slow to speak maybe you keep your mouth shut you think that and some people think i'm good i'll just keep my mouth shut it's not just slow to speak it's what quick to listen just being quiet while the other person is talking so that you can reload your gun so to speak with the other things that you're going to come right back at them with is not exactly being quick to listen have you ever done that? Have you been quiet instead of, but, but instead of actually listening, you're planning out the words and waiting for your turn to get the two cents in and set them straight? How many want to be heard but don't really want to hear? There are many throughout the years who have, have called attention to this amazing biological fact of God who has given you two ears that are permanently open and one mouth that opens and closes. We should get a clue there. More than that, get a clue from his word in Proverbs chapter 10. When words are many, sin is not absent, but he who holds his tongue is wise. Or Proverbs 12, 18, reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Being slow to speak is of great importance. In Proverbs 13, 3, he who guards his lips guards his life. You catch that? He who guards his lips guards his life, but he who speaks rashly will come to ruin. 
Somebody say, oh, okay, yes, yes, I get that. But sometimes something just has to be said, and I just happen to be the one to say it. The fact that you're willing to be quick to speak does not mean that you are the one God wants to speak, nor is it the time to speak. You need to recognize this. Our problems that, that, you know, one of the problems I'm concerned about is that the church in general is being perceived in our current culture as not listening. Even with the current discussions and problems that are going on, the church is just being perceived as not listening. Now, I'm not talking about that, uh, that we are, should agree. I'm not talking about agreeing with that which goes against the written word of God. Nor am I talking about people closing the door on us because after we've slowed down and listened, we share with them what God has to say and they just don't want to hear it. I'm not talking about either things. What I'm talking about is that we as Christians, as the church in general, are closing the door on them, walking away without listening without engaging in any kind of conversation like Jesus did with the woman at the well. And therefore, we have given up our seat at the table. We're standing up for Jesus, but we are giving up our seat at the table that now only has voices that people are listening to that are ungodly and worldly. And the church is not there because of our reaction to some of what is being said and done by a few, we've given up the opportunity to help direct the conversation and the conclusions that will end up affecting us and our families in the near future. All because we're quick to speak, quick to get angry and just dismiss it all without actually listening. I'm not even going to try. And there's an even greater issue for the church on down that we see some small hints in, and that's what's happening to our brothers and sisters in Christ all around the world, even during this crisis, and what's happening, and that is that persecution, real persecution happening all over the world. And when it starts to get real here in the United States, I'm not talking about opposition. We've got some opposition. There are things that have happened, but what I'm talking about when it starts to get real. And... Christian lives as a whole are being threatened. We're going to want to stand up and say, hey, this is not right. This is wrong. Somebody help us, defend us. Somebody say something. And because the world runs on the rusty rule, not the golden rule, you know that one. I've said it before. That's the one we're doing to others as they did unto you. The world in that moment will just say, hey, what goes around comes around. You weren't at the table. You didn't want to listen. Everybody, why, why just focus on you? We need to slow down and listen because the ramifications of not are great, not only in our relationships, in our home, but in our country. But that's not the only thing we need. And we think about it as we think about James 1.19 here. Let's, let's do this again, except I'm not going to speak in the blanks. Let's see if you're, you're getting these. You should have this. James 1.19, you ready? Uh, we're going to say it together. You don't have to repeat after me. We'll say it together. James 1.19. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to, slow to, 
slow to become angry. James 1.19. All right. That's the next part. We saw that right there. Slow down and respond. Not react in anger. Slow down and respond. We can't respond to someone if we haven't actually listened to them. Versus just reacting. Versus just being quick to speak and being the judge and jury without hearing the whole case. Bringing our own version of justice in our anger. Contrary to what verse 19 is telling us. To be slow to anger, slow to wrath. That's a strong word that's used there. It comes from a strong emotion that often is reacting and not responding to what is really going on, especially in our day and age, in in what we could say is an age of outrage, where so many are not only just quick to become angry, but you know what? I think there are really many who are just angry all the time. So ready to just spill over. And, and I begin to wonder whether this is a small part of, uh, of the problem that we're seeing with mental health concerns. Doctors everywhere are, are raising concerns through all this time of, of mental health in an in unusual, abnormal kind of way, greater way than, than they can remember happening in our day and age. And, and, and some just uh, can't put a finger on it. Why is this happening? What's going on? We really don't know. But perhaps... Some of it is because there is this general constant anxiousness, worry, and fear that just is over us. Or this general anger, general anger on a constant slow boil on the back burner of our life. Yeah, we're not exploding outwardly in anger. You know, we're not walking around with screaming and the red face and the veins popping out. No, you know, we're not doing that. But we're still angry. It doesn't change, in fact, just because we're not doing it that way. Don't deceive ourselves. The reality is many are basically angry all the time now. And when that's, that, there's no way to be slow to anger if it's always on. You can't be slow to anger you're, if you're always ready to boil over and react to whatever is thrown into the pot next. We need to turn it off and then it can cool down. If we're going to slow down, not just occasionally let off some steam from the boiling pot, but to turn it off. I mean, think about, are you one of the people, one of those people that always seems to be on edge? Always just on edge. Maybe you don't know that. I would tell you to check that with other people, but that'll just be a problem because they're not going to say anything to you if you're always on edge, right? <laughs> Pastor, please don't ask us, you know? I don't, uh, you know, are you one of those people that can't have a disagreement without being disagreeable? Proverbs 15, verse 18, a hot-tempered man stirs up dissension, but a patient man calms a quarrel. Which are you? Which one? Not in between, but which one? Because we not only get out of control, but the real problem is that we are out of control of the Holy Spirit. And we need to slow down and listen, not only to others, but to God, to help us to be slow to anger. And let's make sure we're clear about this. God would not say, tell us to be slow to anger, if it were not possible for us to be slow to anger. God doesn't give us a command that is impossible to obey. He's saying to be slow to anger, which means you have control. There is control. 
So don't buy the lie that there is nothing that you can do. It just, it just happened. I don't know. I, just, I couldn't help it. I just, ha- I just got angry. No. Anger is a choice. No one makes your anger. You choose it. Therefore, you also choose, can choose to be slow to the point where then we don't enter into inappropriate or sinful anger. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 29 says, A patient man has great understanding, but a quick-tempered man displays folly. We can slow down and not go there. In fact, not only can we not go there, we can just let it go. Oh, oh, oh I can't let it go, Pastor. Oh, no, I can't let it go. Oh, no. Uh, Proverbs nineteen eleven: A man's wisdom gives him patience. It is his glory to overlook an offense, to let it go. Maybe you struggle in this area, but God has given us everything we need to obey his word. For many, there should be this slow under construction sign post in our lives or this slow God school crossing going on in our life with these kind of things that are that are happening. Tests that God's allowing our life that we're becoming testy in in our anger, so to speak. Verse 19 tells us very specifically what we're to do. What's it say? Are you ready? Say us together. James 1.19. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Should be quick to, slow to, and slow to become. James 1.19. I know some of you are like, oh, come on, really? You know, if it works for three people in here and you remember this, hey, that's good. Ah. Uh, in fact, this is something we need to get, not just here, but it needs to travel down to here. His word. And know that we're going to be tempted to not do this this week. Here's what we have when we think through this. Don't blow up what God is building in your life by your anger. Keep in mind those who test your patience. They're also in God's school. They're also under construction. You need to slow down. It's important, especially in 2020, when so much is the anti this. It's it's people are quick. You know, they're not quick. They're they're slow to listen, quick to speak, quick to become angry. All too often, we are so not only not swift to hear, we say things that are not too swift, and people get hurt. As we shoot off words in anger that even can hurt innocent bystanders. Now somebody can say, you know, Pastor, I don't have a problem with anger or with being slow to anger. I really don't have a problem with that unless someone, you know, gets angry with me. And then I fight fire with fire. I mean, that's just the way you do it, right? But I'm not angry all the time. I'm not. I am not angry all the time. But what you're saying to me is, Yes, you're not angry all the time, but if someone gets angry at you, you are ang- you are ready right then and there to get angry at them. What you're saying to me is as somebody comes at you, you're ready in that moment to come right at them. In other words, what you're saying is that you are quick to anger. Can I get an amen? Probably not. Right? Listen. Ecclesiastes 7, verse 9. 
Do not be eager in your heart to be angry. For anger resides in the bosom of fools. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. Somebody's like, you know, okay, but, 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 but there are some things, you know, what you just, I just don't have to put up with. What is that that we don't have to put up with if we're following in Jesus' footsteps? I'm not saying there are certain things that the Bible tells us that we need to address in a certain way that we need to address it. But what is it that we just don't have to put up with? You know, even as you think about Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 5, verse 39 through 44, up on the screen here, but I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. Is that what we shouldn't put up with? If someone wants to sue you and take your tunic, let him have the cloak as well. If someone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. You've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. I'm not saying that there aren't consequences in actions and that people won't reap what they sow. There will come a day for God's judgment. But God's heart's desire is that everyone come. First Timothy 2, he wants all men to be saved. That's the desire of his heart out of love. But all too often the desire out of our heart is out of anger. In fact, it's hard for me to remember a time, and I've been doing this a long time, it's hard for me to remember a time where there were more Christians justifying what they're doing and saying as righteous anger than there are right now. By the way, there, you can check a number of weeks ago, did an actual message. There was a previous message on this of, of being good and angry. What I'm getting at is verse 20. In our passage in James chapter 1, look at verse 20. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. We've heard verse 19. We've struggled with verse 19. But we don't want to hear verse 20. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. It does not produce, achieve, accomplish the righteous life, the righteousness, including the right and holy relationship with him, let alone with others. When we don't slow down and respond, respond in Christ through the Holy Spirit, and we're just reacting to problems, reacting to people, then we're missing it. We're, we're like Proverbs says, reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Where do we fit in that? And even as you think about that in, in these verses, and we're talking about anger is not seen as a positive thing. And the fact is, for most of us, 90 plus percent of the time, we are not able to be good and angry. Now, anger in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26 and 27, uh, you know, we like to quote that. You know, that and Jesus, I, we talked about this last message, and Jesus, you know, going through the temple and turning over tables, even though anger is not mentioned in that. But let's say it is in Ephesians chapter 4, in your anger, do not sin. 
Do not the sun go down while you're still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. So it's possible to not sin and be angry. It is possible that not all anger is wrong, but we seem to have difficulty in being right with our anger. Even when we are rightly angered in a right thing, we don't always express it righteously. And by the way, just because we can say our anger is under control, that doesn't make it righteous. Well, I'm not screaming, raving lunatic, you know. That doesn't mean that suddenly our anger is righteous. It can still be wrong. How many times have we acted in anger and it has actually worked? Oh, it worked. They shut right up. That's not what I'm talking about. Where it's actually worked to bring about the righteous life that God desires. Where your anger has actually worked to bring about what God wants in your life and in those others' lives. Most of the time it just shuts people down. They close their mouth all right, but they also close their ears and ultimately as this continues on, they close their hearts to us. Even if we have something important and helpful to say, they can't hear it because our anger is too loud. All they hear is, don't mess with you. Don't, don't mess. Uh, you know, uh, I'm wrong, you're right, or whatever. Anger shuts not only their ears, but anger can end up shutting our ears and opening our mouths way too quickly as we start to get angry. Then we start being quick to speak and not hear the wisdom of God in our time of need. Instead, we just fuel the anger. And we're having difficulty about something. Then we go talk to someone or we go read something that all it does is just people that agree with us. Whenever we've got people around us who will challenge us to say, hey, you need to slow down. You need to stop. Somewhere, Christians have gotten this idea and maybe you haven't seen it, but I've seen it and I've heard it. Some more Christians have gotten this idea recently that anger is an essential definition of what it means to be a real Christian. Yes, it's possible to be angry and sin not, but according to Ephesians 4. But that is a far cry from making it an essential character trait for Christians to be exhibiting today. For the most part, we find it hard to be angry and not sin. That's why it's warned in Ephesians 4. We need to stop acting like anger is a part of the fruit of the Spirit. It's something God gives us. You know what? Galatians chapter 5, it talks exactly what we've been given. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, or patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. We act like, it, you know, Christians, you need to be angry. Get angry. I'm not saying that there aren't some things that righteous anger and justice, but how we're doing it, but we're making it like this is what we really got to be. This is what we really got to be. In fact, what we should not be is also in Galatians chapter 5, just a couple verses earlier. Now the works of the flesh, in verse 19, are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, and sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, Enmity, which deals with anger, strife that can deal with anger, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I have warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. 
And yet we're so quick to justify our anger as righteous. Verse 21 is trying to say, listen, all this wickedness, badness, hate, hostility. There, there needs to be a humbleness, a gentleness, a meekness. We forget that God's mercy and love, because of God's mercy and love, we are still here. We are still here. He did not jump right to judgment. Worship team, come on up. Psalm 86, 15. But you, O Lord, are compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Here's, th- this is throughout the word, even the Old Testament. When you think about this, this is who he is. A slow to anger, which is what he's telling us to be. Think about it. Some of the stuff that's making us angry right now, some of the stuff that's not right, that's not fair, that's wrong, that needs to be judged, things that need to be dealt with all over the world, guess what? God is being slow to anger. He hasn't brought it down yet. Not yet. God is being slow to anger longer than we are. Why can't we follow his command in James 1.19 to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry and walk in his footsteps of a God who is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Father, will you help us in this even now? There may be all or parts of this in verse 19 that we have not been doing such a great job but you can help us you want to help us you want to empower us and enable us to be able to live this way to make that decision that we're not going to hear the word and just walk away from it not different not wanting to be different Lord I pray for those who just need to slow down before they react and to respond in love to others around them. Pray for those who are, are dealing with anger, anger that is not just what we've talked about today, but even goes beyond this, it is a real problem. A rage that just uncontrollable. That it, Lord, it, it, maybe that they have a... a an addiction to this anger. It may be that it is a spiritual stronghold of the enemy. Maybe even a stronghold that's been in their family for a long, long time. You want to give victory. You want to break that. Lord, if the world around us just sees us with our door closed, with our arms folded and angry, they will miss out on the love and the joy that you have, the joy of knowing you, the joy that you can bring into our lives. And Lord, let's face it, when we're like this, we're missing joy. They're not even seeing it on our faces. Let your joy fill us afresh and anew, becoming more and more like you, Jesus.